Um, what doesn't kill you will only make you stronger. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm your host, Daniel Fox, here with my great friend, Thomas Belzamo, and hey. uh, we're glad that you've joined us uh, today. How are you, Tom? Doing well. Good. I'm uh, sore. Sore. Um, it, it's been a while since I've said that. Um, <laughs> and not because I haven't been sore, but I just uh, the uh, the whole mixed martial arts thing has been kind of on the downturn here for a while with their their COVID restrictions. So I've yep. been instead doing some uh, strength training and uh, doing that three, four, or five times a week. Very instead good. Instead of uh, the MMA school, so so I think it's I a different my, kind of sore, probably is different it? kind of sore. Yeah, but yes. I've yep. been doing that for probably two, three months now, uh, in with not going to the MMA school, and I hurt something in my right arm. And it oh. kept me up like half the night. Oh wow! So, okay, yeah. So anyway, so if he anyway, not a not tired, to sit drag. here focusing on my aches and pains <laughs> like a brittle old decrepit man. Um, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. When I get your age one day, I'll uh, maybe understand how that. <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, hey! For the record, for the record, you know you're older than I am. <laughs> All right. If you're we, if you're listening to us for the first time, you need to know that we are uh, dear friends and we love our conversations and we're glad that you've joined us uh, because we want you to hear a conversation between uh, friends that is, well, what, what would be a description, Tom, Christian? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's handling, it, it's, it's interacting well, the, with the each other. The first word that came to mind was hot mess, but, um, <laughs> you know. Right. Sure. <laughs> yeah, let's let's go with let's go with what the you Christian. said. Yeah. It uh, yes. just saying that you know we can we can bounce things off of each other and uh and get a a kind response, you know, it's not we're not going to be called a heretic and and we're not just talking theological issues, we're talking about just all sorts of questions and asking, wait a minute, how do those connect to the scripture? Does the Bible say anything about that? How should we handle those things as Christians? And I hope you'll see that in this uh, in this podcast. We want to thank our patrons as we begin, who have uh, gone over to patreon.com slash reason together and signed up to support us on an episode by episode basis. We sure appreciate your support and what you do uh, for this podcast yes. and uh, for us. So thank you very much. And if you're interested in supporting uh, what you hear here and uh, you uh, appreciate this endeavor, you can go to patreon.com slash reason together and uh, sign up for any tier level there from all the way down. I think there's a there's a teacher student level uh, all the yep. way up to the so. elite uh, level. Um, and if you yeah. might even go over to the podcast app, the Apple podcast app, leave us a five star review. If you like what you hear, but I'm going to tell you one thing that may be even more important. We like your feedback. Uh, we mm -hmm. want to hear from you. So if you have something to say, you have a, a, maybe your, your own question to ask or um, a reflection on what we've been talking about, you have um, a perspective of your own. We want to hear it. And you can go to mm -hmm. reason together podcast at gmail.com and let us know what you think. Yeah, and be sure to check out our blog as well. The Reason Together blog is a relatively new uh, addition to yes. our site. Um, you can find that over at reasontogether.fm, and you can browse around the uh, episodes there. You can browse around the articles there. We have probably close to a dozen um, 
seasoned Christian men uh, writing for our blog and uh, on a variety of topics from a variety of perspectives. And I think you'll be sure to find some interesting things over there at reasontogether.fm. Good. Well, we've got a list of questions here, and they're they're not necessarily related or in a flow, but we're just going to start uh, throwing, throwing them at each other. We've got uh, a couple listener questions here that we'd like to deal with if we have time. So uh, what do you want to hit first, Tom? Um, well, you have a couple of them here that are marked as don't <laughs> peak. And, and for the listeners who are in the know about this, you're aware we have this collaborative list we have online um, on Trello. And and we submit our questions to each other there. Some of them we can look at. Others are tagged with a label that says don't peek. And that's when we want each other to kind of keep our nose out of it so it can be a little <laughs> more, you know, <laughs> reactive. Spontane I guess. Yeah, right. Spontaneous. Um so But the really, suspense is killing me. So yeah, the, the reason I do me. that is because if I sense that Tom is under stress or that he's lying awake half the night with an arm pain or something, and I want to get his mind off of it then I'll just put a don't peek label on it. And so it gets his mind off of that and onto what could that question be? What's that going to be? And it helps him to focus on something else and the pain doesn't hurt so much. So you're saying it's kind of a mark of your sympathy toward me right. that you yeah, know, sure. don't peek. Yeah, actually, that's not at all true. But um, <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> Um, okay, so I've got one here, and, and I'm probably going to add to this as time goes on as I, I run across this, but ridiculous English expressions. It just it, it hit me the other day. That's a really dumb expression. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of colloquialisms that we have that uh, I get it. They're they're neat. They're they're um, they're wise. You know, we say a stitch in time saves nine. Okay, I get it. <laughs> but what about what about this phrase? You can never be too careful. <laughs> you can never be too careful um wow um do you think you can ever be too careful of course you can be too careful that that's <laughs> right. problematic when people are too careful right uh dare dare i bring up the the virus that shall not be named um, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um i mean we've seen for the last 18 months or however long it's been people doing dumb things and making dumb decisions because they're being too, too careful. careful. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm going to anyway. run with, run with two masks on and whatever. So yeah, but I mean, sure. I mean, it just, I mean, it brings to mind to see somebody who's wrapping himself in bubble wrap, you know, and he's right. got paranoia, he's got oxygen tank over his head. You know, I can never be yeah. too careful. Yeah. 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 Hypochondrism. Yeah. It can yeah, actually sure. be too careful. Mm -hmm. And of course this one, this, I, I, I question whether this, if anybody really takes this statement seriously, <laughs> Um, what doesn't kill you will only make you stronger. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I get where they're going with it. I, I think I get where they're going with it. Sort of. And, I mean, you would say that's maybe in some sense, partially true for some things. For some but, things, but there is I a mean, third. I mean, I'm thinking... I mean, so, okay, so you're 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 on a vacation somewhere in in Africa on a safari, right? And you get mauled by a lion to within an inch of your life, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and you manage to recover from it. I mean, is is there some way in which that makes you stronger, or does that make you go on for the rest of your life saying you can never be too careful? <laughs> <laughs> oh no well it's just does like does it just bring paranoia 
Yeah, well, it could, but I mean, there's that third category, you know, what doesn't kill you can make you stronger or can leave you maimed for life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Could leave you laying in a bed as a vegetable. Um, it's not exactly stronger. <laughs> no. Um, but anyway. No, so I, I mean, just... I, I, I guess maybe the sentiment is that difficult experiences in, inoculates you to further difficult experiences. Yes. Right. And I so you can that. say, I've done that before, so this shouldn't be too bad. And the more right. things you do, the more experience you get and so on. <laughs> I'm but, taking, maybe I'm taking it out of its original intended context there. Yeah. You're just picking it apart, man. Just <laughs> ease up. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. That's become a joke though. Oh, it doesn't kill you. Make you stronger. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man, he survived getting hit head on by a truck, but well, he's got to be stronger now. <laughs> right. Um, right. I don't know. Um, okay. So I'm going to save this one till a little bit later, um, uh, this uh, teaching your kids one. How about uh, this question, though? Christian, okay, non-Christian friends. Um, is, it, is it wise to have non-Christian friends? I'm just going to put it that way. Okay. Um, what do you mean by friend? Okay, good. Well... I would say someone with whom you spend, you know, a fair amount of time and you develop a closer relationship, you know, you, you know, each other, you, uh, you enjoy each other's company and, and, uh, you have similar interests, things like that. Mm -hmm. Is it wise? Is that the question? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I, I think it, here's our classic reason together answer. It depends. It depends. <laughs> um, I, I think sometimes it's, it's bizarre to see, <clears throat> uh, someone who, professes to be a Christian, but yet all of their closest friends are unregenerate people openly. Mm -hmm. Um, that seems lopsided to me mm -hmm. because, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, how, how can, uh, how can, how can you have this light and this darkness kind of coexisting in the same spot there? You know, what, what fellowship hath light with darkness? <laughs> what concord hath Christ with Belial? What part does mm -hmm. a believer have with an infidel and so on? Not saying you can never be friendly with lost people, but it just seems lopsided to me if that's where Christians choose to make their closest friendships. When you have the house of God with all sorts of people there that you have more in common with just by virtue that you're indwelled by the same Holy Spirit, um, you have more in common with them just by that alone than you do with the lost people of the world. Um, but I think there's value in maintaining, for lack of a better word, uh, non-Christian relationships, mm -hmm. um, whether you call it a friendship or not, I suppose is semantical, but having relationships with lost people is important because you are supposed to reach them with the gospel and whether, whether we like to admit it or not, the landscape of evangelism has changed in the last 30, 40 years to where just walking up to someone on their doorstep is not the same as it used to be. I'm not saying it's completely ineffective. I'm saying that people respond better today to having a bridge built to them by way of a friendship mm -hmm. uh, than they would if you just cold called them at their door. Um, that's, that's different now than it was. I mean, honestly, even from when I was a teenager. Um, <clears throat> so it's important to build friendships or relationships with non-Christian people for the sake of reaching them. 
Well, and that's what I was, <clears throat> that was sort of another question, you know, isn't the best evangelism from a point of care, you know, the mm -hmm. fact that I care, I care about you and you know that, um, and we're yeah. friends and I need to tell you this. And, and where, where that question came up <clears throat> was when I was listening to, uh, the testimony of Nabil Qureshi. Are you familiar, familiar with Nabil? I think I've heard that name, but I have no idea who that okay. is. Um, he was a uh, converted, converted Muslim, um, if I remember correctly. Now he's passed away now, um, but had a had a strong testimony of uh, you know of a Christian young man who um, you know interacted with him, and he eventually you know came came to Christ, and of course in that in that faith that was you know, a very significant thing. Um, but but the point being that he he you know, he referenced this friend and the friend uh, engaged with him in this conversation because I don't know if he was reading his Bible or something and Nabil said well you know that's full of uh, errors and blah 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 or something you know and Nabil gave out these sort of if you will apologetic um, condemnations of Scripture and that young man turned around and said Nabil you know there's so many manuscripts that have a blah 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 this has you know the greatest this has a tremendous manuscript authority and blah blah and he, so he knew answers back and mm -hmm. and it wasn't just an immediate thing i think it was over a, a year's time that the lord worked in nabil's heart to to bring him to that place but the point is is that that happened through a friendship it wasn't yeah. just somebody walking up to nabil and giving him a tract it was somebody that he cared about or that cared about him and that he spent time with uh, for what you know, in whatever way it was, maybe in in some sort of a school um, function, they were on the same debate team or whatever. I don't I don't remember what it was, but uh, just thinking. So you know, even if your kid goes to public school, does that mean he doesn't have any friends? You know, he's not allowed to really you know interact or li like anybody uh, or or care for them in any way because they're not Christian. Or what is the degree mm -hmm. to which we can? You know what I mean? Actually have friends. Yeah. And yet I know, I know, I know there's an importance. Um, you know, first John talks about loving the brethren. And of course, you're, you don't want to be influenced like, uh, yeah, let's, oh, sure, I'm going to go over to your house and play these, you know, violent video games and, and watch these risque movies and things like that because we're friends. No, no, we're not going to do that. So, I mean, it is going to limit, um, limit right. the degree of, we call it in our circles, fellowship. But I mean, what do you call it with an unsaved person? Limit the degree of interaction. Sure. And yet, you know, can you enjoy the same sports? Can you uh, hang out together and enjoy your time? Um, I guess yeah. there's, yeah, I think there's a place for that. There's a place to for a developing. Yeah, to a degree. And that's, it I guess you have to be Holy Spirit led in each interaction. Sure. But it never feels the same though. Um, when you get together with Christian friends, uh, particularly like-minded friends, um, there's nothing mm. that feels quite like that. Yeah. There's there's nothing that comes close to that. Right. And when you when you hang around unsaved people at an event of some kind that's more of a social gathering, um if you do that to build relationships with those people, you might succeed in getting to know them better, but it just you there's something doesn't jive. Like I say there's just no it's like oil and water. There's ultimately no real fellowship between light and darkness there. Um, but I mean, it is a way in which you can communicate your care for them over time. Um, mm -hmm. whereas mm -hmm. just standing on someone's porch, meeting them for the first time, you can tell them all day long <laughs> till you're blue in the face that you care for their soul, but they haven't seen that yet. They don't know that. 
They don't know. They don't know what you're there for. And yeah. I think sometimes Christians are devastated when they talk to a lost person they've met for the first time. And they're shocked that this person is not emotionally moved with how much I have cared for their soul by bringing them the gospel. <laughs> well, of course, they don't care about that. They don't know you from Adam. Right. Um, so it's important, I think, to establish those relationships. Yeah. So within, I guess it's within a, reason. You, you can have friendly relationships and you may even call them friendships, but they, they are going to be of a different kind. There's just no two ways of getting around it. Um, right. That a Christian friendship is different than a secular friendly relationship. You call it friendship if you want, but you know, and yet still sure. there can be those friendly relationships to communicate care and kindness. Yeah. And uh, sure. I mean, we can't, we can't say that we're supposed to avoid, <clears throat> avoid all interaction with the world, obviously. Uh, so if we're supposed to interact with the world, we're supposed to do it in a way that Christ would, that would be kind, you know, mm -hmm. and truthful and caring and things like that. Um, and, uh, and separated. We want to add that as well, because, you know, some yes. people take the idea of, you know, re relationships for the sake of evangelism so far that they lose their testimony and they, they're not separate anymore. Mm -hmm. um, there's no distinction anymore. Yeah, there's no distinction. Yes. So. Good. All right. What do you want to hit next? <clears throat> hmm. Let's see. You said you had one that you were kind of excited about. Which one was that? Or was that the uh, one? No, this teaching your kids um, replacement words, this isn't so much of a question as just a challenge um, to our listeners uh, that to me, to me, it is uh, important. In, it, it is important to teach your children and, and yourself, if need be, a good vocabulary. Mm -hmm. um, and because yeah. it just, uh, it elevates, um, kind of, it, it, it elevates the level of the conversation. I, I want to say it, it kind of communicates a intelligence, a, an, an intelligence. Yeah. If, if not a professionality about, about who you are and what you're talking about. So in other words, if you say cool about everything, oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, you know, that could go. 50 different ways. Okay, sure. Every, you know, everything's cool, but give it a more descriptive word, you know, like, well, oh, that's fantastic. Amazing. Wonderful. Well, oh, that's gorgeous. Oh man, that was exhilarating. Okay. But you know, so, so, you know, your outfit's cool. The roller coaster's cool. That meal was cool. The day was cool. You know, I mean, everything's cool. <laughs> give it some description um, because otherwise you sound sort of, well, it, you sound uneducated, unintelligent. And, um, and it just, I think, articulation um, and 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 variety in your in your speech only serves to, you know, again, just deepen or elevate um, who how you come across and sure. expand expand your influence. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you know what's interesting is that people are less likely to engage in um, in heated argument with you when they know that you're a person of vocabulary. Hmm. I don't, it's just a strange phenomenon that people presume that you are so intelligent because you have a good vocabulary that they're almost afraid to disagree with you, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, it, it creates somewhat of an intellectual intimidation. Not that your goal should be to make everyone feel uncomfortable <clears throat> around you, no, no. but in, in the same reason why, you know, a guy who's, you know, totally jacked gets picked on less in the general public, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. but it, it just kind of has the same effect from an argumentative standpoint that, that people tend to not engage. 
And I don't mean to try to in like if someone is um <clears throat> if someone is how do I how do I describe it? Um not in those intellectual circles. I don't mean to try to come across with all the big words that you can um right. and just if overpower forced, them. If it's forced, that that sounds just as bad as well. When right, someone's trying right. to use big words, but it doesn't seem natural to them. But yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I understand. I think what you're saying. Um, so, but but also the differences of words actually are different, um, and so it kind of demonstrates, and you need to develop in yourself um, that discernment to describe things accurately. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, you know, um, to say well, that's stupid. Well, that's stupid. Well, what? Okay, what does that mean? But is there a difference between um, you know, ludicrous, incoherent, thoughtless, repugnant, you know, asinine. I mean, to subtle, to, to, subtle differences. Yeah. So, so to be able to describe, and and I think about somebody. <clears throat> you know, I'm thinking of a certain politician who probably is very good at this, and so they can sort of rip somebody up. But what they're doing, or or, or they can they can describe a certain piece of legislation, but they're describing it very articulately, um, and 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 not necessarily by lying about it, like. It's unpatriotic and it's your moral duty to, you know, like everything. But emotional but, arguments. No, yeah. But, but actually describing it as, you know, this is an incoherent piece of legislation. Well, what does that mean? It doesn't even jive with itself. It doesn't, no. uh, it doesn't you know, have a, a logical consistency about it. It doesn't make sense. It's self contradictory. Um, you know, so I mean, when they use a word, it's not like this legislation is stupid, you know, and the people that wrote it are stupid, you know. Um, but to say that argument is this, or that piece of legislation is this, or that person is, you know, so when they say disingenuous, oh, that's an interesting word. What does that mean? Or, um, you know, or that's illogical, or that is inconsistent, you know, anyway, just think of words to use and, and coming up now, maybe I'm speaking to a generation that's kind of there already, but when you start bringing up young kids and they're in a generation where it's more, yeah, in the video game generation, I just feel like you're going to have more of a, you're going to have a pull towards an interesting vocabulary. <laughs> now, I feel like in our home, it's uh, funny. I, and, um, you know, I guess it's partly my influence, but there are, there are certain words. I think they enjoy, um, <laughs> they enjoy the sound of, and the use of different words, bigger words, but they still don't always use them correctly. <laughs> So, um, um, to be like, okay, guys, that, that actually isn't that, um, or, or, you know, that's, that's a little over the top for that description right. there. Um, but, and then, and then I, Lisa, I noticed in, in our home that it's the making up of words and maybe that right. is a cult, maybe that is a generational thing is that now we sort of contrive our own words for things. Um, Okay. But anyway, I just want to teach your kids to use replacement words. Um, right. Even even in yeah, and and I that's even branches off a little bit into teaching them at some point that curse words kind of demonstrate um, a, a a lower intellectual level when a guy mm -hmm. has to use when a guy has to constantly sprinkle his sentences with curse words. It actually sounds unintelligent. Yeah. Um, and, and so to say, you know, if you really want to come across, even if I were unsaved and secular, it, it comes across as un, unintelligent to just constantly using these words that really don't have um, 
a meaning in that sentence, except just yeah. to say, yeah, I said the word and I said it again and, and mm -hmm. I said it again, again, you yeah. know, well, like, okay, I mean, stop. I, I suppose it's, it, they feel like they're doing well at conveying their emotion with using <laughs> mm -hmm. such words, mm -hmm. but that's not the point all the time of communication. So like going back to your illustration of the incoherent legislation, that actually says something about the legislation. Right. You're actually describing <laughs> something point. you observed about the legislation. That's a logical observation that you made. Now someone can say, well, why was it incoherent? And now you can show them the two parts of it that don't jive with each other. So you've just created an intelligent conversation where if you just say, well, that legislation is stupid. Well, you, now you've only described how you feel about it. Right. Not, it doesn't really you haven't described about anything it. about the legislation, just yes, how you good. feel about it. Um, good point. I was thinking as you were talking about the word virtue as used in scripture, um, mm -hmm. like in second uh, Peter, I think it's chapter one, uh, mm -hmm. add to your faith virtue. Mm -hmm. I know we often describe that as moral excellence, but do you know if that's ever used in scripture just for excellence or is it um, always moral excellence? No, I would, I, I, that's, that is a good question, Tom. And I'm going to go back to an old Testament usage. Um, and I'm trying to think of what, um, Okay, when you talk about the mighty men of valor, mm -hmm. same um, word. That is your. I believe that's speaking of a similar context there. And if you if you look at that, you know, it's that idea. Um, if I'm, I want to make sure I'm tying the right connections together. But anyway, yeah, I think it's not just a. It's not a moral, just a moral thing, but um, but an excellence uh, is the yeah. way I see. Even the New Testament virtue is there's a sharpness mm -hmm. to your Christianity. Yeah. I suppose that could come to bear in our, our conversation about vocabulary. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes. And I understand people are coming from different places. They have different strengths and things, but something to, you know, to at least consider, um, you know, when the Bible talks about speech, it's not just about uh, not cussing or not tearing people up, but, you know, thinking about uh when we say what we say, how we say it, um, well, how we say it in, in, the, in the language God has given us, um, uh, you know, is, you know, is, is broader than, than we use. And we can use it um, artfully and appropriately and intelligently and, and learn to um, be descriptive and articulate. And that's just, that's an important word to me is articulate, sure. yeah. um, to be able to, um, even maybe concisely, but to, to be able to um, express an idea with clarity because mm -hmm. of the words that I, that I use. Yeah, good. I agree. Thanks. All right. What question do you want to hit? <clears throat> well, we've got some listener questions here, <clears throat> and uh, it would be nice if we could get to both of them in this okay. episode. One, I think, is somewhat time sensitive because we are in October here. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, the other one, uh, was submitted a little while ago. So it'd be good if we can get to both of them. Um, why don't we tackle the, the one on the bottom first here? This one is from, from Nora. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> and it is the subject of women preachers. And she says, uh, I know you addressed this topic a while ago. And I remember you concluding the specific passages were directly applied to a church service. Recently, I came across the belief that women singing in church, especially solos, is unbiblical. Reference Colossians 3.16, uh, which is the passage about um, um, uh, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing yeah, why, with grace in your heart why somebody would reference that. 
I don't know, or 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 why that would have to do specifically with women uh, performing them. Um, <clears throat> but it says, uh, I came across this belief that women singing in church, especially solos, is unbiblical as men are listening. Also, can you share your thoughts on the word silence? Uh, <laughs> special music, which I think is uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, isn't it? Uh, I think you're right. Might be right in First Corinthians yeah. 14, where he's talking about the, the yes, you're correct. Okay. Yes. Um, so she says here. <clears throat> um, also, can you share your thoughts on silence, special music, testimonies, asking for a favorite song, or maybe I should only ask my husband these questions? <laughs> and she puts a little smiley face emoji there. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Touche. <laughs> um, and then she says. Also, I saw a post recently from a woman on Facebook. Um, her page. Oh, why can't I get to it? Oh, there we go. <clears throat> her. Uh, her page with over 120,000 followers is called Transformed Wife. I have seen different posts of her shared before and just saw a video she shared answering accusations of her being a female preacher. Needless to say, it was confusing. She claimed women are not even to teach other women the Bible, but then proceed to say that she only teaches women biblical womanhood. I'm not sure how she does that without the Bible, <laughs> but it sounded like she made that <laughs> yeah, change right. because a man confronted her about it. Um, and she links the video here below, uh, which I suppose we can mm -hmm. include in the show notes, perhaps. Um, mm -hmm. um, okay. Where do we go? Where do we start? Okay. It, obviously there is a, the, the scriptural teaching of, uh, you know, biblical of roles, you know, God has created, um, an authority structure and that's evident from the very beginning, you know, when, when God created man, uh, and then. And then he created the woman from the man, and the man named the woman. Um, doesn't mean that she was an animal or she's a lesser being. Uh, she's obviously equal with him in type. She is a human. She's a creation of God, and mm -hmm. they um, they are in the image of God. She is she is as much in the image of God as the man is. <clears throat> and yet, in terms of role within, uh, say, the husband wife relationship. Uh, there is a submission there, and and you'll see that you know that she's to arrange herself under her godly husband. Yeah, <clears throat> I, and I don't um, I don't think there's a whole lot of uh, debate about that part of it in our circles necessarily. Not um, necessarily in our circles. I think it's more in the execution of it. So like how Nora is asking yes. about you know yes. raising your hand and giving a testimony during testimony time, or asking for a favorite song during hymn favorites, or uh, um, what's another example? She said, singing a solo, uh, where men are listening, <laughs> you know, oh, brother. um, yeah, or even, but uh, really public praying, right? What about that? <clears throat> you know, is there a case in which women would do that in the presence of men and so on? Well, that and there would be some, some churches that actually have a woman choir director in your, you know, a little bit looser, broader churches. You're going to have, you're definitely going to have women in the, uh, worship leading role. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, and that lady references that in that video saying, you know, you have, you know, women worship leaders who then kind of give their little testimony or give a little challenge in between the songs. So then they're sort of preaching, you know, but they're not, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever. And then you got the full on Beth Moore, you know, or something <laughs> who she was, you know, addressing in that video as well. Yeah. And now I have a, I now I'm a woman of, you know, national fame who has this teaching ministry, blah, blah, blah. So, so you okay, watched so, the video that Nora links to here. I did. Okay. Mm -hmm. I did too. I did. And I don't know about you, but you know, as far as the attitude of the woman in the video, she didn't, she didn't come across as, uh, you know, being a woman preacher. Um, you know, she cited that <laughs> no. Beth Moore, you know, gets in the pulpit and preaches. 
uh, in front of men. And this woman in the video, which who I, I don't really know, I don't know anything about her. She didn't seem like she was doing that or wanting to do that. She says she doesn't do that. She tries to teach other women. And she said in the video that she keeps it to the subject of womanhood, biblical womanhood, because at mm -hmm. some point she ventured out and was doing Bible studies with women in, in regards to other themes and other topics of scripture. And she said, if I remember right, she kind of course corrected there and started teaching just about womanhood to women. Yeah, because somebody confronted her um, that she was teaching the Bible. And so that's where her attitude seemed sweet. And she was, you know, mm -hmm. did have a desire to be in the proper role and things like that. But I do have to, um, you know, uh, be at issue with with certain components of her thinking. Mm -hmm. um, just because <laughs> kind of using our um, our word from our last question, you know, it, it was um, inconsistent or incoherent at times. Yes. Um, and, and, it, and I have to sort of point through her to the men in her life and say, and, and point out their glaring misunderstanding of scripture, um, if not their insecurity, uh, as men, you know, it, it almost comes to the point, if you logically, if, if you logically follow the statements that, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost not allowed to talk in a man's presence unless he is overseeing what I'm saying. Um, now, she didn't, she didn't actually say that, but to say, you can't teach, um, you can't teach women the Bible. Um, you can only teach... Anyway, I, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but, right. but to step back... Well, she used ahead. the illustration of how with her speaking on the internet like that and women watching what she's saying, and for a man to occasionally come in and observe it and comment on it, she described that as being like, if you're teaching a class, a ladies class at a church, like a ladies seminar or something, and the pastor or some older men in the church happen to come in, you know, to see what's going on in the back of the room. Uh, she described right. it as being analogous to that. Do you think that's analogous? No, not entirely because of the way she stated it. You know, like the men coming in to see what I'm saying, like almost to make sure that I'm saying it correctly, because her view was she, she, she pointed that passage that, uh, in in First Timothy, uh, which okay, you have to understand that silence there doesn't mean necessarily like abject silence. It's speaking to a stillness, to a calmness. You know, I don't want to take over. I'm not trying to usurp authority. Um, so you have to understand that. But also, um, she points to the point, the fact that you know Eve was deceived, almost saying that um, I don't teach scripture. Because I'm a woman who can be deceived as if... Well, she, she overtly said I, that. She overtly said in the video, women are more easily deceived than men. Do you think that's and that true? basic? Well, do I think that's true? Yeah, I suppose. Um, uh, but, but to me, that doesn't disqualify. It like, it's, like, it's like it disqualified her from ever being able to knowledgeably handle the scripture. And yet she was supposed to be sitting there learning. And so I'm like, well... well Okay, well, that doesn't logically follow because it, the Bible's not saying that you are uh, intellectually disqualified to ever know enough to teach somebody else. In fact, the passage in First Timothy there, if you notice there, when it says, let the women learn in silence, we focus on the silence part, mm -hmm. um, but the let the women learn is a command. Right. Um, and so it would behoove us as men to realize that we're supposed to be creating an environment in which the women are learning. Mm -hmm. 
they mm-hmm. are growing. Right. Um, and that if we're going to point this to well, men, you know, men are in charge, men. Are, well, then you create the environment where women are learning. And if they're learning, they're growing. And if they're growing, they're going to have input in other people's lives. And mm-hmm. so to just say, well, you're a woman who's easily deceived. You can't handle the scriptures. That is absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because how are you going to influence anybody if you don't understand the scriptures? And right. and and that's to say that a man could never go to an older woman and say, could you give me advice on something? Mm-hmm. That is absolutely appropriate. Um, well, sure. He's asking. Know. Well, sure. And yeah, yeah. And yeah. So the big thing is, I think usurping authority over a man and trying to take over. I mean, if you look back at the first, if the, at the element of the curse, you're going to have a desire to your husband. Um, you know, you're going to want to conform him to your desire. And in a sense, in some ways, you're going to want to take over. Um, yeah. Well, in a similar way, yes, uh, an, an unsanctified woman wants to take over, whether yes. that's in the conversation, whether that's in the planning, that's in the overall design. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of want to take over. So, yeah, I have to, I say I. So a lady has to, you know, recognize her role and be still, but doesn't mean she can't say anything, doesn't right. mean she can't contribute. And for a man to be so insecure that he says, She's singing a solo and I'm listening. So therefore I'm being over, I'm, she's grasping authority. Right. Well then give her the authority to sing the song for crying out loud. But I mean, what, you know what I'm saying? Uh, how is that, you know, jeopardizing your authority for her to sing a solo? She's not jumping up and saying, I don't care what you men say. I'm going to sing a solo. She's obviously fitting into the, into yeah. the realm of. But you, anyway, just, you would say that it is fairly obvious sometimes when a woman gives a testimony and moves from testimony mode into preaching mode. Yeah. Um, right. And, and I that, think a, a, woman, a, a woman needs to be careful of that. Yeah, I agree. Um, the, the, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says in verse 35, and if, if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is a shame for uh, women to speak in the church. And I think that kind of it, that kind of adds another element to it. You were saying about the word silence before means like a stillness. Is this mm-hmm. word speak suggesting the same thing, just stillness, or is this actually saying that they shouldn't speak in the churches? I would have to say, uh, without looking at it further, is to say that speak in the same way that men are speaking in the church. Well, in that context, you know, you're getting, you know, let only two or three, you know, speak, and that, and, and in fact. Um, that might even have a reference to tongues, but you know, let two or three speak that with an interpreter and each one in turn. It, and, it is in the know. context of tongues uh, in the church in particular. In fact, this section comes right after where he says, let uh, you know, about confusion <laughs> that, you know, to avoid confusion. Let me see if I can find that real quick uh, for God is not so, the author of confusion, uh, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. <clears throat> so obviously he's he's delineating there in that chapter uh, a structure in the church and in the conversation of the spiritual gift of tongues, which it's helpful for the modern charismatic to understand that even in scripture, it wasn't assumed that everyone had the gift of tongues. In fact, right. it's almost expressly stated that they do not. Um, but those who do could exercise it and when in that early New Testament age before tongues passed away. and when they did, there was a certain mode of using it, mm-hmm. only two or three, one at a time, and with an interpreter, and not a woman. Right. Okay, well, that just wrecks the common charismatic movement. Sure. But it also sheds light on what we're talking about. Can, can she not, like, can she, as soon as she walks in the door, she can't speak to anyone? Are, are you kidding? No, no, that's not what it's saying. Right. That's speaking, I think, in 
Yeah, like so I'm glad to hear your confirmation there in reference to tongues. But even if it was speaking to say, okay, a man stands up and says, you know, I have this word from the Lord, and you know, I have this encouraging thought, and boom, boom, boom. Is that a place for a woman? Um, well, again, is that the context there? Yeah. Well, I'm looking at the complete word study Bible here, and where it says uh that um for it is not permitted unto them to speak. Um and then it says again in verse 35, for it is a shame for the woman to speak in the church. That word is a word that means to talk at random. So like, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, interject. Yeah, to interject, as it were, yes. <clears throat> um, so I, I think the issue is more in the context of usurping. So right. So the same as Timothy. Right. So can can she can she request a favorite song? Can she give a testimony as long as she's careful about her attitude? Absolutely. Can she sing a solo uh, in church? Absolutely. Uh, but this random interjection in which you are overstepping the 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 structure, the hierarchy, the the chain of command, if you will, uh, within the church. That's what I think these texts are looking to avoid. <clears throat> yes. And so I was thinking of the long word that you were saying there. State that one more time. Um, I was um, thinking of that word speak, but um, you're saying you're trying to avoid what now? Trying to avoid the overstepping or usurping of the chain of command that, that God has instituted for the church. Yes. Yeah. Right. And I, and I agree. So, um, and, and a, one other thing, a thing to draw out there is the idea of um, usurping authority. Does it mean that a woman can never teach a man anything? No, no, it doesn't mean that. Um, and it just, it doesn't. Um, but does she have the authority to do it? You know, is she assuming the authority in herself to overstep her role and begin, you know, saying, no, you listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. Mm -hmm. um, okay, that's the problem. Yeah. But to have authority or to be given authority, say, hey, you are in this role. I want you to teach. Well, now you can teach. It's, it's not the issue of you ever communicating truth to a man. Mm -hmm. It's you taking control in your own hands right. to speak in a way that you shouldn't. Right. Um, and that, that would include for, holding the office of pastor. Um, that, that would even in, include... Uh, yes, you know, absolutely. teaching in a room, teaching the Bible in a room full of men or, you know, mixed company, uh, those things are those, that's a no go. That's a no go. Both of those things. Well, even at that, I have to, I even have to question about teaching the Bible in a, in a, in a group, I mean, a mixed group. Um, you know, if, uh, I, I can't, I can't necessarily personally say that a woman can't ever do that. Um, now is it reflective? Is it, this kind of a side issue, but going to politics for a minute, you know, say you get to the place where, and it, we're probably not far away necessarily from a place where, you know, in our uh, presidential candidacy or presidential election, you have two women running mm -hmm. against each other. Um, what, what does that say? Well, that says, shame on you, America, that you don't even have any men fit to lead the country. Right. You know what I mean? It's not, I don't know that it's as much a, uh, as much a, um, a slap on the women as it is on the men right. who won't rise up and actually be leaders. Yeah. Um, well, like so uh, in a lot like De Deborah and Barak in uh, the book of Judges. Right. Um, do you remember that mm. story? She essentially yes, becomes he a asked, judge. He asked her uh -huh. to lead her in, <laughs> into battle essentially. And, and I forget how she worded it, but she basically said, you know, this, this victory will be to your shame or something like that. Uh, because, mm. you know, you had to have a woman lead you. 
um, something like that. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, I could see instances um, uh, where, in fact, in fact, I know of an instance, you know, where where a godly woman can be very knowledgeable of the scriptures and be put in a position to teach other men what she knows. Um, in the church? By, by in the church, do you mean in, a, in what we call a church service? Is that what you mean in yeah. the church? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. No. Okay. Because no, I, that I think that's the context of the passages we were referencing. Um, is, in an, is an assembly of what we might call a worship assembly of correct. the congregated church. Correct. And that's what I mean in okay. those scenarios. I think it's a no-go. Mm-hmm. That, well, it, well, and I would say that's pretty much a given because uh, it's express. <laughs> it's an express, despite you know other denominations who who disagree. Uh, it's it's expressly stated that the pastoral, the pastor is supposed to be a man. Yeah, <laughs> the husband um, of one wife so, is kind of hard to do if you're not a man. Right, right. And so, if you are a fairly normally functioning church, you have a shepherd and he is a man and his job is to feed. So, mm -hmm. so as you're there, are you going to have shepherds and even elders who can communicate, but you know, they're going to be, <clears throat> to be men. Okay. Um, right. You know, so yeah, I mean, yeah. In, in a, in a, what would we call it? Um, if a functional family, you know, we call yeah. it dysfunctional family and a functional but, family, but, but then, in a functional church family, you're going to have male leadership to teach. Right. But then let's say you have a young missionary lady in, and there are single missionary ladies out there. You have her in to present sure. her ministry. Do you have her preach? <laughs> yeah, no, we don't. But right. however, I have had, um, you know, I have had a, you know, woman behind the pulpit uh, to give, you know, to, uh, um, to answer questions and to, sure. um, can talk about her ministry and to give her testimony. Yeah. Am I threatened by any of that? Not at no, all. No, that's different. Um, yep. And yeah. yet she's giving a testimony. Do I have them sing? You bet I have them sing. Um, yeah. Do they have, you know, when they come back from, we had ladies come back from a ladies conference and we had them give testimonies mm -hmm. and they even shared in the testimony some of what they learned. Yeah. Right. You know, so here, here, well, I was challenged by, you know, this particular Bible truth or something like that. I don't remember yeah. what it was, but is that preaching to us? Well, okay, they're sharing a truth that I could learn from, that they learned from, mm -hmm. but it's not, it's not a usurping of authority because we invited them to come up and share. Right. Um, and, and, I, and it, like, going back to what we said earlier, it depends on the manner in which they say it, you know, the attitude that they hold yeah. in doing it. Um, to speak authoritatively carries a certain gravitas to it and, um, you know, if if someone does not hold that authority to speak with that authority, uh, then you know you have to be careful that your testimony doesn't become more of an, an authoritative diatribe. Mm. And that's and, and you in that word usurp, like that's what we're talking yeah. about, is to of your own self take the authority to do to step out of your role and to do to 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 take on the role of a man, if you will. Um, and go from sure. There, so. Yeah. And I think it's good to ask these kinds of questions, you know, to, to, cause I think we all are understanding of at least the basic concept of this, this teaching it's in the execution, <laughs> you know, how do we, you know, how do we apply this in the execution? What can and cannot, uh, you know, women do in, in the church service setting uh, or even outside of the church service setting. Um, it's just, I've had people ask these questions um, 
outside of the podcast in more than one way. Some people will ask out of genuine uh, curiosity mm. because they want to know mm. what is expected of me as a woman. Uh, other times, people will ask these questions um, looking for a way in, <laughs> you know, yes, looking yes, for right. a loophole. And it's like, that's when you can tell the attitude of usurpation is present. Is that they're looking right. for a loophole here uh, to try and find a way into the authoritative position that isn't there still? Yeah, here. and I totally see what you're saying there. Um, and I just I'm saddened though that this you know this this lady or the men, particularly the men in her life, goes so far <laughs> with that thought. Okay, so yes, she has a role in the church. Um, she has a role in the marriage, um, but that doesn't mean that she can't communicate truth to a man mm -hmm. like um you know well i'm a, i'm a preacher because i say something to women and a man listens in <gasps> oh i better stop because mm -hmm. a man is present no because not every man is qualified to start speaking at the level that you're speaking at um and i just a, a thought came to my mind uh in high school or maybe i was even in junior high i was at a friend's house and um and a book salesman came by i think it was and, um, and I don't remember exactly how, but anyway, it was, she, she was and the, his mother was so concerned for that man's soul that I think she said, basically, I'll let you come in and, you know, and give your pitch on the books if you'll let me talk to you. Mm -hmm. And so he did. And then she, you know, proceeded to witness to him. Um, she's communicating truth. And if I could put it in biblical terminology, uh, she's, at least uh, evangelizing, if not preaching. She's yeah. proclaiming the gospel to this man. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's appropriate. Yeah, um, I don't disagree. Know, so sometimes we, the way that we categorize it, we say well, they can't preach. Well, what do you mean by preach? Because we're all supposed to preach. Um, oh, you mean, you know, preach behind the pulpit. Well, it's not being behind the pulpit that's the issue. You know, it's it's maybe the specific gathering and the function that I'm in. I'm acting as the pastor. Okay, yeah, the pastor is supposed to be a man. I get it. But you know what I mean? It's yeah. um and then you have to draw your 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 age distinction. Well, okay, well, I'm teaching a I'm teaching a Sunday school class that's got, you know, second grade boys in it. When do they become a man? Well, as a man, then can my son ever come and ask me for advice? Because I'm a woman. And once he's a man, I don't think I could teach him anything. Um, mm -hmm. No, you're his mother. You know, I mean, it's right. so, there, there, it's more it's more nuanced than just, I'm a man, you're a woman, you don't teach in my presence. And yeah. in fact, you're easily deceived. So you can't even teach scripture. Oh, ridiculous. Yeah. Come on. I mean, what, what um, do you think about, you, you talked about, you know, the giving of advice right? A man learning something mm -hmm. from a woman. I agree. There's, there's, mm -hmm. we can learn from women. I agree uh, sure. with that. Yeah. You know, women can give advice. Um, <clears throat> the question is, is how is it done? So like you, you mentioned earlier, the scenario in which you ask an older lady for advice and she gives you advice. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think, does it make the scenario different if you didn't ask? Unsolicited advice, <sighs> I should say. Does yeah. that change the scenario any? Honest question. Yeah, I, I would say, I guess I would say so. So you you think that shouldn't be done, unsolicited advice? Yeah, and I, whether that falls under these passages that we're talking about, I'd have to think about. Um, well, the, the reason I don't think it's really in context there, but I mean, unsolicited advice to anybody, you know, man or woman, either direction. <laughs> right. It's not. It's not always you know, appreciated. <laughs> right? It's not always appreciated, though. I guess the wounds of a friend are faithful. So there are times when you need to hear a rebuke, and maybe yeah. we'd call that advice. Um, 
and yeah. that could go either direction. And and I I guess I am kind of talking about, for lack of a better phrase, the ministry of correction, right? Um, mm-hmm. Is it is it the place of women, um, Christian women, to be in a position of correction uh, of even men? Well, okay, let me put it this way: I think um, that there is a way that a woman can go to her husband and say, honey, I don't think this is right. Yes. Um, she is correcting him. She doesn't have to come across, again, authoritarian and you listen to me. Right. But she is going to bring up the the error. Yes. Which is is even if it's if it's a uh you know if it's done in a calm way, it's a correction. Yes. You, and you I hit exactly a, you hit exactly good. what I was hoping you would hit is that yes, it can be done and uh, and I would say this even to men, there is value in the asking of questions. Um, you can correct people yes. by asking a question. And, and I recommend this to my boys. I recommend this to young men as well. Uh, you know, you don't always have to correct people with a statement. You can correct by asking a question. And what it does is it it creates a non-threatening, hands-off uh, submissive posture, humble posture in which you can bring knowledge to someone that they didn't previously have just by them thinking through the question you asked. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Th- and I think that's a great way that women can, uh, and not just women, I'm saying anybody, but you know, particularly in this case of correction. Um, and and the, I guess the passage that brought it to mind was uh, I was reading an article. Uh, I actually saved this to my Evernote a couple of years ago and, and I went back and looked it up. The about Philip's daughters. You remember that mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. in Acts chapter 21, it tells us that, that his daughters prophesied, Yep, <laughs> which is interesting. And this is an argument that, that, you know, those who advocate for women preachers will use is that Philip's daughters prophesied. And the counter I heard to that was that despite his daughters being prophetic here, Paul is staying in Philip's house there. Uh, the Lord brings in Agabus. <laughs> a male prophet to come and deliver the message he wanted for, for Paul when Philip's daughters were right there uh, in a sense, using mm-hmm. this prophet to come and deliver information to Paul. And he was using this as an argument for why God prefers to use the male leadership for the ministry of correction here, or, or not necessarily correction, but instruction. You might say, is that, is that a, does that argument hold water? Um, I'd say that's a little bit of a stretch, but, um, I mean, I, I it, see, I see what we're talking about and that he f- could have used Agabus's, yeah. or I mean, not, not Agabus's, Philip's daughters. Uh, my, my mind is kind of going along the trail of what does it mean to prophesy? Um, and, and again, in our, uh, it, to, to, to kind of talk generally about communicating truth, um, we want to be doing that all the time. Yeah. We want our ladies to be doing that. And so are they proclaiming truth? It doesn't mean that they're telling something new and it doesn't mean, and, and, so I, I don't know, it's, some, it's, it's weird because we get overly rigid sometimes. And I understand that in our church structure, we have classes and things mm-hmm. like that. But if I go out, you know, if she goes out and she's talking to a man and she's, um, uh, you know, and she's communicating something about scripture, I think that's appropriate. Um, and for her to share something that she saw or something that the Lord has taught her, um, I don't think a man has to be threatened by mm-hmm. that or feel like she's overwhelming his authority. She's yeah. simply communicating truth. Yeah. And that is in some ways prophesying. So, yeah, <clears throat> the, uh, I know we're going a little bit long here and if you're okay yeah. with that, I'm okay with that too, uh, today. But <clears throat> I think you know, as I was reading this article that I pulled up in, in Evernote, um, <clears throat> full disclosure, it was from wayoflife.org. That's uh, David Cloud's site. 
and he was telling oh. a story. Uh, he's a missionary in um, Nepal, I think. Nepal. He's telling a story about how uh, there was another missionary in town, a woman, a sing. I think she was single, if I remember right, <clears throat> single woman missionary. That she would always kind of accost him and approach him and like correct him because I guess he had written some track that she thought was too bold um, and and too negative. So she approached him about it. Mm-hmm. She would correct him, and he said to her. Uh, Something like this. He said, if if God's going to correct me, he's going to use a man to do it. Hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I personally would disagree. Um, I would say that's being close to uh, God's possibilities of working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, based on what we've already talked mm-hmm. about, I, I'm forced to agree as well um, with yeah, you, you that... That's that, basically saying... Yeah, a woman. You know what? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. That yeah, a woman. Women can bring correction. It just depends on how it's done. Now, well, from what he describes mm-hmm. of this missionary woman, she wasn't going about it the right way. Uh, she was mm-hmm. basically a finger wagger, you know, uh, up in his face, nagging him. Um, and uh, and no, so that wasn't the right way to go about it. But I just I, I found it interesting reading through the interactions there. You know, the verse kept coming to mind. You know, a soft answer turneth away wrath, and it's like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. his answers to her were kind of abrasive seeming. And it's like, oh, I don't know. Do you really want to inflame the situation any further? Um, but all that to say, you know, can it be done in the right way? Yeah, I think it can. Yeah, good. I think that was a great uh, conversation. And uh, listeners, thank you. I know we've yeah. gone long on this one. We won't be able to get to that next question. Yeah. I'll have to wait till next time uh, um, to hit. As long as we can get one. that one in before the end of the month. Okay. If, Unless if we, we should take it in the after show. Uh, well, I think it should be on the main episode, honestly. Okay. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. Do you think we can get that in before Very the end good. of the month? Uh, yeah. Uh, 20th, 27th. Yeah. Just yeah. before the end of the month. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. All right. Well, then it uh, it's going to be after show time here. Um, if, you, uh, if you have any questions about anything you've heard uh, today, uh, you can send them to reasontogetherpodcast at gmail.com. You can find everything else uh, about us at reasontogether.fm on our website there. Uh, and if you'd like to become a supporter of this podcast, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash reason together. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash reason together and uh, sign up to be a supporter. We're encouraging balance, developing perspective and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together.